Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to a special edition of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your Sox Rays series win uh, podcast here. Uh, Red Sox have just pulled out the incredible victory over the Rays 6-5 to five, uh, to close this thing out in four games, uh, which is just crazy uh, considering how they looked in the first, uh, first game and a half, I guess we could say, uh, of this series. Keaton, man, how are you feeling about this whole thing? I mean, the Red Sox are going to the ALCS. This is bananas. Yeah, it is. Um, there's just something special about this team, man, and it is. It just feels great to have uh, fans in the stands for playoff baseball. The Red Sox beating the Yankees at home, beating the Rays at home. On to the next one. Yeah, it's really incredible. Um, you know, I've been, I've been historically optimism, man, on this podcast, but this team tested me, and and uh, over the last month or so. I'd be honest, I didn't think they had it. Um, you know, seeing how they performed down the stretch, dropping two out of three from Baltimore and needing to sweep the Nationals just to get in, and then, you know, not responding, playing the Yankees at home, and then this, it's just like, it's its amazing. I don't know. I think I have to give credit to, to Alex Cora here. That's my first yep. thought, um, is just, you know, I was critical on this podcast of Alex Cora for not stressing urgency enough with his guys. But maybe what he was doing is just saving those buttons that he he needs to push 
uh, for the postseason. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I've never been in a professional clubhouse before, but maybe those are buttons that, you know, you only have a few pushes um, to do those things. And, you know, maybe he didn't want to use those for that Yankees series. Maybe he had confidence that his team would make it there and then he could use those whatever motivational buttons or, or whatever the hell he's doing to this team because he's an amazing postseason manager and they've been playing a very different brand of baseball so far in the postseason. They have, and he's been super aggressive and it's worked out just about every time. I think there's um, maybe something from today's game that uh, that we'll touch on later that maybe is a bit of a questionable move, but um, that being the not going to Whitlock an inning early, uh, or to start the inning, uh, I should say. <clears throat> but that, I mean, it, it gets kind of tough to, to even fault him for that because Brazier had been on like a string of like something like 12 straight scoreless appearances or, or scoreless yeah. innings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of hard, uh, you know, to, to fault him for that. But you would have wished he would have you know, gone to drop the hammer immediately. But everything else, I mean, Pavetta on short rests, uh, going to Eduardo Rodriguez on short rest, uh, to Tanner Houck today on short rests, um, having the balls to pull Eduardo Rodriguez and Chris Sale uh, very early in their outing, st- their outings in game one and two. Um, you know, tough, tough outcome in game one, but works like a charm in game two, able to get them to fight back. Um, he just, he knows how to manage a team in the postseason and, uh, it is great to see the Red Sox and him back in the postseason and uh, him going head-to-head against Kevin Cash is something that we talked about in the preview uh, podcast of this series. And, um, you know, one thing that Matt pointed out was he gave the edge to Kevin Cash, um, who, who has really kind of excelled uh, this year in particular. I mean, he's been good for a while now, but in, this year with this really young team, because um, well, basically all the veteran starters were hurt, right? They had they they if they hadn't gone to Patino last night, today would have been the fourth straight day they started a game with a rookie. Like that's a that's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but everything that Kevin Cash can do, uh, Alex Cora is just as good. Or the, the, I mean, the gap really just isn't there. Uh, and it was really fun to watch these two managers go head to head, and obviously a lot more fun that Cora ended up coming out on top. Yeah, and you have to give a lot of credit to the players, too, because after that that sale uh, blow up in, in game two, you know, I, I was texting the group chat, the, the, the broom emoji. I just yep. I did not see uh, this team coming back from that. And I was texting with Matt a little bit about this, too. And it's like, how many games have, have we watched this year? I've probably watched 150 games. And I still have zero read on this team in terms of like when they're actually out of it, when they're going to go on a run. Like I have no idea. This this team is the most hard to follow Red Sox team that I think that I've ever watched in my entire life with just like every other team in the league. I feel like would have just been like, yeah, OK, all right. Game two is a wash now. And then we're just going home. Uh, our ace just got lit up. But then they come back and they score 14 runs to win this series. Um, the huge hit from Vasquez in Game 3. Uh, and then Vasquez coming through again tonight, getting on base. Um, and then, you know, the obviously Kike Hernandez coming up with, with Danny Santana pinch running on, on third base. Um, 
it just felt sort of inevitable at that point. I wouldn't say it. And I was just sitting there clutching like a throw pillow in my living room, anxiously awaiting what was going to happen. But you have to give credit to this group of individuals because as, as infuriating as they can be, and trust me, they can be infuriating. If you followed this team all year, they have made you incredibly mad at different times but seriously like never count them out because they are so friggin' good like who has more talent than this team when you look at them on on paper you look at this roster and you're like this shit is built for the postseason it's just whether or not mentally they were going to be there enough to you know whether or not they were going to do enough during the regular season to be there and and now that they're in it's like dude i don't know like they can beat anybody yeah absolutely and another thing that we we talked about uh, something I, I brought up in the previous series when uh matt asked us for x factors i noted the bottom of the lineup um even though the offense was loud against the yankees the bottom of the lineup really seven eight nine one was really poor uh and through the first couple games of this series 7891 was pretty poor but the bottom of the lineup i noted has been kind of a, a big source of the frustration that you you just talked about this season and, and at times has become a black hole that's stunted rallies or really not allowed innings to to continue like they should and put runs on the board and their red sox at constantly stranding runners in scoring position all year i mean we we talked a couple times on our podcast about just how bad they were and how things changed so drastically from uh no runners on or a runner on first to then all of a sudden you move up 90 feet and how difficult it was but the bottom of the order was an x factor for me because this is playoff ball everything gets ratcheted up and there's going to be moments where someone in the bottom of the lineup was going to have to come through and get a hit when they needed it and you saw that in the last couple of nights with Vasquez hits the walk off for one last night, gets the leadoff single in the ninth here to get that rolling. And then um, Arroyo gets the bunt down, rolls it back over to um, Shaw, who was able to move him over to third. Um, and just seeing the bottom of the order the last two days come through when they really needed it just makes me so much more confident in this offense. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not many guys can execute a bunt like that uh, with the amount of time off that, that Arroyo has had. He's just got ice in his veins. That was the perfect play and so very Alex Cora, too, to to call for that play at that point and be confident that Arroyo could go out and execute it. Um, but, man, you, you got to love the way that Eduardo Rodriguez uh, started this game, too. I mean, going five innings strong, six six strikeouts, just two earned runs. Didn't walk anybody, uh, which was fantastic. I, I do say one of the things that I questioned uh, about this game was taking Eddie out when he did in favor of Hauk. We know that Hauk has struggles, struggles against lefties. Uh, as good as Hauk has been, he's, he's dominant against righties. And uh, he came in and pretty much immediately faced two tough lefties. Um, and, and Wander Franco gets a big hit there. Um, were you at all surprised that he went to Hulk with those lefties about to come up? Um, no, I wasn't as surprised. Um, he was at 78 pitches when he got pulled, which uh, on his own wouldn't have been a lot, but he did throw 40-some just a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that total was going to be less, and the fact that he was right around 80, it feels like that was probably the point. Um 
But to your point, with those lefties coming in, it makes you wonder why he didn't go to um, like Josh Taylor or one of those other guys. Yeah, um, I know Davis was up <clears throat> a couple times, but but never made it in. Um, so it, yeah, I I don't think I question the move in taking Rodriguez out, but it did seem a little weird going to Hauk in that situation versus uh, one of the other lefties on the bench. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it, facing Franco in in Lau, uh was pretty difficult there, but you know they were able to have success. And then in the third inning, when the Red Sox did most of their damage, um, you know another highlight of this team has just been the ability to to hit with two strikes uh, or two outs, I should say. They had two outs in the Both. inning um, when when Devers got the home run, and then. You know, just keeping that that going with Bogarts, obviously getting the single, Verdugo with the massive double, and then Martinez again. It's just it was it was amazing. Uh, just just such a great um, show of resilience from this offense. Which you know we've always talked about it, and we talked about it ad nauseum this year. This team is going to go as far as the offense is going to carry it, and mm-hmm. the fact that they were able to do that against McClanahan, who flat out has been dominant um, in the second half of the year, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. And it, it was great to see. This was really like a well-rounded Fenway Park win. They wore out the wall. Uh, they had the big homer to kick it off. They were able to play some small ball. Um, it was just a great October Fenway win. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, it sure was. Um, And the crowds have been absolutely vintage at Fenway, too. So that's been really nice to see. It's been an incredibly loud building. I think people are just excited to see this team playing, and they should be. Um, and you know, I'm n- nothing they do from this point on will surprise me. I am done being a pessimist, Keaton. I am back to my old <laughs> optimism ways because I, I just frankly have no idea what this team is capable of because it seems like they're capable of anything. Yeah, and uh, you know, honestly, I felt a little out of character being the optimism guy, so I'm glad you're back. <laughs> All right, good. We can switch roles. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, we question just- for you though. So the the two things that I want to talk about were you know not going to Whitlock to start the eighth, yeah. Uh, but then also the Rays. It seemed like they were too quick on the the hook for McHugh there and going to McClanahan. Only eighteen pitches for McHugh at the time. Yeah, did that seem weird? I mean, I know. Um, I guess he was also on short ish rest, but eighteen pitches is not a lot. And at the he had only given up one hit. Uh, no strikeouts. Had given up some contact, but. It seems like they probably should have rode McHugh out longer. What do you think about that move? If I was Kevin Cash, I'd have done the exact same thing. Um, just because, not because of anything McHugh did while he was in the game. It's just because Colin McHugh isn't that good. And this Red Sox offense is really good. And um, he's got that type of stuff that these Red Sox hitters can feast off of especially if you hit him through the lineup for a second time I think you would have seen some pretty massive damage against him and then you know the fact that they had that extra day they weren't going to play until Wednesday game five wasn't going to be until Wednesday 
you could really run out all these guys, the McClanahan's, the Kittredge, the Patino, all these dudes could be put in the game. Um, I just thought it was kind of not if, but when they got to McHugh. And I think it would have just taken superhuman control uh, to leave McHugh in there a little bit longer, even though he was pitching well. He's just not a very good pitcher, in my opinion. Fair. Yeah, he didn't have any strikeouts in those two innings and did give up some context. So it might have seemed like he was playing with fire. But I, I was just surprised because he was having a lot of success in uh, you know, keeping the ball in the yard and keeping this offense off balance. I thought they might try and go for uh, another inning out of him. Yeah, it might have been wise. Um, but it's it's tough to predict that McClanahan is going to you know throw 28 pitches and give up five earned runs, too, <laughs> yeah, uh, with the way fair. that he has been looking. <laughs> so. Um, it's, you know, it just goes to show that this, this Rays team is impressive as they are during the regular season. Uh, I hate to say that Smoltz made some good points, but he did actually. And the fact that, you know, this is a very young Rays pitching staff. Um, you know, he pointed out on the broadcast that Eovaldi by himself has thrown more than three of their starters combined. Um, there's just, there's a lot of inexperience and there's a lot of bit players on this team who have all contributed in this perfect way to get these hundred wins. But when you match them up for, you know, a, a five game series, it's not necessarily the best team on paper uh, either. And these guys have thrown a lot uh, over this series so far. And, you know, it, it tended to kind of favor the Red Sox uh, in this matchup with how they've used their pitchers through the first uh, part of the series. So, um, really did play into Alex Cora's hand a little bit here. And, and as far as the Brazier thing goes, uh, I can't fault Cora for putting Brazier in when he did. I think you could say that he should have given Brazier a quicker hook than he did. Uh, maybe after the first run was let up, bring in Whitlock. But with the I don't think he could Ryan, have, right? Didn't he have to face three batters? Yeah, I think you're actually, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't think he had that opportunity. Yeah, and um, the three batters he faced were double, double, and single runner advancing to second. So, wasn't right. a great, was a tough three batters. <laughs> yeah, and, and you pointed it out though, with, with as good as he has been, um, and the fastball especially has been elite for him lately, I felt okay with him going into that game at that point. And, you know, you, I, I get the idea of saving Whitlock. Um, is it the right move? No, no, obviously not. But um, yeah, I, I can't be mad at Cora for that one. Yeah. Yeah, that one, um, we just talked about Brazier uh, a couple pods ago. Um, they kind of all blend together when you're basically doing a podcast a day. Um, but I, I'd completely come around on Brazier. Um, you know, I was not his biggest fan during the season, but the really the entirety of the second half, he's just been absolute shutdown mode and even most recently was on that stretch of uh, a bunch of scoreless innings in a row i felt good about him coming in and that was a weird feeling for me so (laughs) but nice to see whitlock come in and then be able to finish it off with those last two strong innings it is nice to have him in the bullpen yep it really is that dude's been a complete weapon all year long uh, let's wrap this one up, Keaton, by uh, just talking about the other series going on. A uh, little, little bit of a mini preview here. Uh, Houston versus Chicago White Sox, your home t- home team White Sox out there in, in uh, Chicago. Um, Houston has the series lead 2-1. to one. They got po- postponed today. Uh, who do you want to win that series? Who would you prefer that the Red Sox face? The White Sox for a couple reasons. One's because you just mentioned it's in Chicago and I could go to some playoff games and that's fun. Um, but also the for as 
as good as the Chicago bullpen is, they have really kind of been inconsistent. And Craig Cranberry is falling apart, not being in a closer role right now. I feel a lot better about facing that pitching staff. Although, I mean, they they rack up strikeouts at an insane rate, just kind of all throughout their rotation and bullpen. It would not be an easy series, but um, they played the White Sox a hell of a lot better than they played the Astros. And I know that the I think all six of the games against the Astros were early in the season. Um, you know, so both teams makeup is kind of a lot different from when they played, but they just played the White Sox like a couple weeks ago. Um, and although they lost the series, all three games were incredibly tight. I think they were all one-run games. Uh, the Red Sox were able to get to some of their starters early, drug out long at bats against the bullpen, really made them work. And in a stretch where they weren't playing great baseball, played that team really well. Uh, yeah. And that was a, a, a series that was on the road too. So I think they, they match up better for the White Sox, um, though I guess I, I wouldn't feel terribly – I mean, kind of like as you outlined, I, I feel confident that they could win a series, but it's not – I don't think there's a, like a significant upgrade uh, facing the White Sox versus the Astros. They're both really tough teams. Yeah, I would feel – I guess I feel even more like they uh, would be better off playing the White Sox just because there's a bunch of guys in that White Sox lineup that can strike out yeah. uh, a whole lot in in a bit of a similar way to this Rays team. I think their lineup is probably a little bit better uh, than this Rays lineup uh, overall, but there's definitely a lot of guys with a lot of swing and miss. There's a ton of athleticism on that team, um, but also – the Red Sox have been able to do better against a lot of the pitchers that the White Sox have as well. So, um, yeah, I want to avoid Houston uh, at all costs. Do I think they could beat either of these teams? Sure. Um, but I think it would be a lot easier uh, to beat the Chicago White Sox. So I'm going to be pulling for the White Sox over these next couple days. And uh, the Red Sox are going to have some opportunity to rest up. So it's good. We'll, uh, we'll be on here again to – discuss some of the roster moves and give you guys a, a playoff uh, preview uh, for the ALCS, which I cannot believe I'm saying. I, I can't believe the Red Sox are the last <laughs> team standing uh, in the AL East in, in a year where four teams won over 90 games in that division. That is just no crazy. Yeah. I also, real quick, ALDS MVP isn't a thing, but if you had to hand one out, who'd you give it to? Kike. Yeah, I think we have Kike too. Devers yeah. might be a close second though. Oh, Devers was huge, but the, the at-bats that Kike was able to have and the defense that he played, um, he's just crazy good. And I just love – I love him. Uh, he was talking after the game. I just turned to my wife and I was like, I love this man. Um, everything he <laughs> says and what he brings to this clubhouse uh, is just exactly what this team needs. And, and one quote that really stuck with me was – uh, Rosenthal asked him, like, you know, when did you think this team was capable of this? And he was like, spring training. And I just love that. Um, just sh- shows the belief that he's had in this squad uh, since yeah. the jump. Yeah. Also, shout out to J.D. Martinez on a bum wheel hitting 467 in this series. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, oh, J.D. Martinez baseball. hitting 467 and uh, Kike hitting 450. Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Get healthy. Yep, absolutely. Um, this was a fun podcast to do, Keaton. Uh, you know, we'll be doing these previews quite a bit. Keaton's already been doing a bunch of them, so thank you for listening. 
and uh, go Red Sox onto the ALCS. All right, we'll talk to you later.